Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Welcome to episode 45 of the Women's Running Podcast. In this episode, I speak to Catherine Foster. Now, not many of you will know who Catherine is, but I bet a million quid that loads of you have enjoyed running in her race. Catherine works for the Great Run Company and the flagship event that they organise is the biggest half marathon in the world, the Great North Run. Pre-lockdown, I think a great deal of us took running events for granted. They were a fixture on our calendars and something to look forward to and to motivate us. It never occurred to us how it might feel if they were taken away. Catherine talks to me here about how it felt from the other side of things. The uncertainty of the pandemic, the real struggle to keep the company going and to motivate the thousands of runners it supports. And events aren't purely about us runners. Events such as the Great North Run are vital in supporting charities through fundraising and through supporting local businesses. So we chat about all of that, what COVID has done and how it's changed the face of events, not just this year, but forever. And we also talk about the launch of mass events too. The Great North Run was started up 40 years ago by Catherine's dad, the legendary runner Brendan Foster. So running is literally in her blood and her passion for the races they organise, the runners who do them and the wider community is huge and palpable. Be inspired and listen in. Podcast listeners can claim the best discount we have for membership to Women's Running, which is 35% off. That's less than two ninety five a month. And for that, you get our brilliant magazine and you also get loads of money off the sorts of stuff you love, like brilliant kit, nutrition and class memberships. Go to shop.womensrunning.co.uk and enter WRPod at the checkout for your discount. Come and join Women's Running. We'd love to have you with us. 
weekend. Well, we had our first event last weekend. We had an ultra run up in Newcastle, which went really, really well. And how many people did you have going to that? Well, we had about, it wasn't huge. We had about 800 entries. Um, I think there was about five, 600 on the day. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was great. It was, I mean, obviously it was beautiful weather up in, up in the Northeast. We had a 55K and a 25K. Um, it's branded a bit differently. It's not branded as great run because it is very much a, a you know, a self, a relatively self-sufficient kind of ultra run. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was, it got really good feedback. It was nice. It all went really smoothly. And I think it was just nice to get everything going again. And then we've got the great North swim happening this weekend up in mm-hmm. Windermere or down in Windermere, depending on where you are. Um, <laughs> So that's great as well. So I feel like, you know, we, we, we're kind of getting into the swing of it again. Things are starting to happen again, which is which is good. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, that's good. But yeah, anyway, it's all good. So I, sh- I, I think I should probably introduce you properly here yeah. rather than just rattling on because I would just <laughs> rattle on. Um, <laughs> and I have you down as, I don't know if this is right because I don't know if it's a slightly different title now, but I have you down as the brand and marketing director. Is that right? Of great yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. So this is the great run company which obviously kind of your your centerpiece is the great north run um the biggest half marathon in the world is that right yeah it's the biggest half marathon in the world and and we believe the best half marathon in the world (laughs) of course yeah what makes it the biggest is that numbers yeah it's the numbers um there is there is bigger in uh, Gothenburg but that's kind of over over the weekend so it's the biggest single half marathon in the world yeah why is it then so popular? What What's made it just something that everyone wants to do? Yeah, I don't know. That's a really interesting question. I think, you know, we're, we're celebrating our 40th year this year. In fact, it's the Great North Run's 40th birthday on the 28th of June. So in a couple of weeks time. Wow. Um, and that will be 40 years since the very first staging, which was on the 28th of June, 1981. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's it's fascinating. I think the reason why it's so popular is... We launched the Great North Run. The Great North, the Great North Run was born, you know, and it was it coincided with the running boom. You know, back in 1981, obviously the London Marathon had happened earlier in the year. Mm-hmm. I think it was the April, and then we came in the June. And um, people didn't really run. People didn't really know what to expect from an event. Um, and I think when they saw these mass events for the first time in, in their cities. It, it was exciting and everyone wanted to be part of something. And I think from a regional perspective, we we got it so uh, so right with the support that we got from the local media. I mean, I think the Look North, you know, the news channel um, and the local newspaper, the Chronicle um, and the Journal and also the, the local radio, they got behind it so well to the point where everybody who lived in the northeast of England felt like they had a piece of ownership on this event. It was, it's it, right from the very start, it was a very Northeast, um, you know, feeling event. And I think even to today, people who live in the Northeast now feel this kind of real sense of pride and ownership on it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's from that kind of really strong regional appeal. But I think from a, from a running perspective, like I said, we were there right from the start. As running has grown, you know, like I said, back in the first year, I know... Um, the early guys that we call them the founding fathers they were laughing about the ideas that you know people would turn up wearing just normal clothes and they didn't even have a pair of running shoes on you know they would just turn up they just wanted to be part of this really exciting thing that was happening and now obviously as people as 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 more and more people have started to run you know we we know we love running you love running you know we all know the benefits of running but I think as running has become more mainstream and events have become a little bit of a commodity 
there is still a few events that that, that kind of stand, uh, put their heads above the parapet almost. And obviously mm-hmm. the London Marathon is one, you know, Great North Run is another, and there's there's many others throughout the country. But I think it's it's the, the quality of the organisation of it has, has given it the longevity. I think the the support, like I said, from the region, I mean, you run, if you were to do the Great North Run now, you probably wouldn't choose the course that we do. It's once you go over the time bridge, it's actually relatively boring. You know, you're running along, you're running along roads, but each of those roads is lined kind of two to three deep the whole way with people cheering you on. So I think that real sense of support and, and atmosphere is, 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 is phenomenal and, and second to none. Um, so, yeah, I think the longevity comes from it just being a really, really nice event to take part in. And I think, you know, I'm from the Northeast. I'm always going to I'm always going to blow the trumpet of the Northeast. But, you know, it's, it's a great it's a great place to be. And, you know, the people of the Northeast come out in their droves to support this event. And, and I think genuinely, I think that has helped keep it alive all these years and keep it keep it so popular all these years. Yeah, no, I love the fact that when I was reading about it, that. I love the fact that it was immediately popular. Like mm. it wasn't, you know, just four people running along or whatever. It was, no. it was no. eleven thousand, like to begin yeah. with, in that yeah. first yeah. year. Yeah, there was there was twelve thousand entries that first year, and like I said, it, there was another really interesting story that's come out because we've been doing quite a lot of reminiscing and a, and a lot of kind of storytelling about that first year. And there, there was the guys who were managing the start, and there were guys who were managing the finish, and then obviously the guys managing the course but they didn't have any visibility, you know, and also they couldn't really talk to each other. We didn't have mobile phones and things. Of course, yeah. But what we did have was we got some guys from, um, from the, the, from the army with radio, you know, radio packs on. So actually that we did have a relay kind of radio to get down from the start to the finish. But similarly on the morning of the event, we didn't know how many people were going to turn up, you know, so the guys who were managing the start suddenly were faced with these throngs and throngs and throngs of people, which, to be honest, no one had ever really seen 12,000 people before, apart from like going in and out of football matches or whatever, you know, like it was a site that wasn't familiar. And also they didn't, they couldn't really look at the crowd and, and gauge how many people it was. Anyway, the gun went, they all ran off down the carriageway and the guy who was in charge of the start, which is a guy called Dave Roberts, uh, got on this radio on the, with this little army guy with his radio backpack on, got on the radio and shouted through to the Finnish team to say, right, that's it. They're on their way. Um, I'm off. See you later. And then Johnny Trainer, who was a guy who was managing the finish, apparently said if he'd seen pictures from the start and, and seen how many people were actually running down the road to him at South Shields, he <laughs> said he probably would have gone home, would have been terrified. <laughs> <laughs> oh god wow and so of course that first event was started off by your dad which is amazing so i mean the great run company is is in your blood you know in more ways than one and yeah absolutely can you tell me about him and how that happened yeah so he was he was coming to the end of his career then he he retired um from running in i think 19 um oh no actually that's not yeah 1980 and he so he was in his kind of final years of running he was over in New Zealand with Dave Moorcroft actually and they were taking part in an event they would they did a lot of training out there and while they were there they took part in an event um called Round the Bays which is still going now um and they were invited to take part of it as you know front front of the field type runners Mm. and 
they went and they couldn't believe the numbers of people. Then and they they st- st- it was in Auckland. They started off in Auckland. They ran all along the coastline and finished down on on the coast. And you know, before then, they hadn't ever seen anyone. You know, that the National Cross Countries was probably the biggest event with you know, a thousand or so runners. And they suddenly were in this were in this field of thousands and thousands of recreational runners because New Zealand was was the hotbed for 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 the start of the running boom, um, and so they they took to they took to going out for a run way before we did over here. Um, so they saw all these recreational runners out, and they're like, "This this is absolutely fantastic." And and when Dad got home, he kind of um, he rallied the troops, his his mates who he who we ran with at Gates at Harriers, and he said, oh, "I've got this idea, and what do you think?" And uh, you know, luckily. They didn't. I mean, I'm sure they thought he was a bit mad, but they didn't think he was too mad. And and they 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 got they got to task with with getting it all planned. And the idea was that running from the from the city to the coast, they didn't have a set distance in mind. They obviously wanted to start in Newcastle and finish on the coastline. So I think they looked at those of different alternatives and all of that. But um, but yeah, they 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 plumped on South Shields, which is where it finishes today. Um. And then they kind of backtracked and it was about, it was, I think it was about, at about 10 miles from Newcastle going out, it ended in a housing estate or something. So I thought, well, that's not quite right. But actually if they added on an extra few miles, made it half marathon, it was perfect. And it started, it started pretty much city centre and ended at South Shields. So um, yeah, so it was, it was a concept that was born out of this round the bays race, which, which he took part in, in 1980. Um and then they managed to they managed to get it in place for the following year in 1981. That's amazing. And then and and as a result, he he sets up this events company of which you're part of. What made you want to be a part of it? Yeah, it's interesting. I I mean I I love running. I'm, I'm I've got I've got not <laughs> I haven't got an ounce of the talent that my dad had for running, but but I love running, and I I recognise the power that that running that running can have on people's lives. And I think I've grown up with particularly the Great North Run. I mean, obviously they started the Great North Run and then grew into the Great South Run and the Great Manchester Run. And we've now got the Great Scottish Run and Bristol and Birmingham and all these other cities that have kind of embraced this idea of, of a mass participation race within the city centre. Um, I grew up with these with these around me. And when I, when I decided I wanted to go and work in marketing, um, I started working um, in, you know, in the business after I finished university and what have you. Um, I've since I've since left and then actually come back. I, I, I went off um, probably about ten years ago, um, and I, I worked for British Airways, worked on the brand team there, which was which was great. Um, but the pull to come back was was too strong, really. I think the beauty that I have in my role as marketing director and brand brand and marketing director is that I love marketing and I love running. So actually, it's kind of it's kind of a perfect mix. And through the work that we do. We are genuinely making a difference to people in that we are encouraging them to take part in, in, in these events. And by taking part in these events, we know that we change their habits and their lifestyle and, and, and they become more active. And again, you know, we've talked about it before, but the impact that running has on both your physical and your mental health, it's 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 a no-brainer that people should do it. How fast or how slow is entirely up to them. So um so yeah, so I mean, like I said, I've been I've been surrounded by running for for most of my life, really. Um, I realised quite quickly I was never going to be a runner. Although I, I I used to be I used to be pretty shifty over the hurdles. That was always my event of choice. But then um, I remember trying the four hundred meter hurdles once, 
and it, and realizing that that wasn't going to be my future I was absolutely exhausted so so yeah so I stuck to sprinting after that but but yeah and and so this is this is perfect and I've still got running you know front and center in my life as as, as my focal point for my job which is great so how many years have you been a part of of great run so I have been a part of great run um gosh well for the last four years I've been brand and marketing director and prior to that I was um, marketing manager for a good seven or eight years in the mid 2000s so like I said I, I had a break in between where I went off I felt it was important to go off and and work somewhere else and mm-hmm. um, also work with quite a small business so I wanted to go and work for for, for a bigger one um but like I said, the draw was too strong. I had to come back. <laughs> so, in in the time that you've you've been working there, what do you think? What what have been the biggest changes? Oh gosh, well, um, social media, um, absolutely, hundred percent social media. So, I think when it comes now to to marketing, so the marketing that we do is predominantly driving people to enter the events. Mm-hmm. Um, social media and digital marketing as a whole is. Is now the, is now the main the main focus of our marketing. Um, and in years gone by, it used to be very much PR based. You know, you would get stories out into the local press, you would get stories about the event, you would get stories about the people doing the event, and you would feed them through the, all of the local newspapers around the cities that we had the events in. Word would get out, and the entries would come in, and that was how it worked. And now, I mean, obviously, we still do that because that's still a really important part, but. But we we also do in a very similar way. We we seed the stories out through through social media, and the the, the gathering that the gathering that it gets is is phenomenal. I think the beauty of digital marketing and social media is that you can you can measure the effectiveness of what you're doing. You know, you can you can you can put something out there and see immediately. You know, if people are paying attention to it and 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 acting off the back of it. Whereas obviously it's, it's more difficult to to be that diagnostic and analytical when it comes to when it comes to PR like we used to but I mean I think I think definitely technology in in the marketing function has been a huge change in the last kind of 10-15 years and similarly technology in in the running experience if you think about you know turning up and doing an event 15 years ago versus today I mean it's very very different you know I mean chip timing I remember when we introduced chip timing and some people were really against it because they had the they, you know, they looked at the clock when they crossed the start line and they looked at it again when they crossed the finish line and they did the little subtraction and they got their finish time. And that was enough for them. And we gave them their official result. But then suddenly they had this, you know, I, I think it's probably because they couldn't lie. I think it's because they, <laughs> they could always, they could always knock five minutes off quite easily. I said, oh no, but I was quite a long way back. So, you know, the clock wasn't on zero when I started. But now when we give them their official chip time, it's like, that's what time you cross the start line. And that is when you cross the finish line. Therefore, that is your actual result. Um, but things, but all things like that. And, you know, the, the photos that you get as well when you take part in the event and all of these things that technology just makes so much easier. And I think also from a safety perspective as well, you know, we're in a very different ball game now than we were then. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, technology, technology advancements have, have been have been incredible for our business. And I'm interested to find out also about obviously about the women that, that run in the race. And um, it's, it seems to me with talking to kind of other events, um, particularly half marathon, that there seems to be um, a change in the demographic um, of those taking part is is that reflected in great north as well 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, so across the board, we are now pretty much 50-50 with male and female, if you look at our database in, in its totality. Mm. Um, the Great North is still a little bit more skewed men. I think in 2019, it was 52% men, 48% women. So we're, we're catching up, especially when you think back to those, those you know, that, that first year when we had, you know, just shy of 12,000 entries. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it certainly wasn't 50-50 then. So yeah, we've seen huge growth. And I think it's interesting as well. Um, we've been watching the trends. And I think over again, over the last kind of five to 10 years, what you'd seen initially was that the 10Ks were becoming more 50-50, but the half marathons were staying more male. And that's still the case, but it's still creeping up. So I think I think us women are slowly taking over um, the world of mass participation running, if I'm honest. <laughs> Good. Yeah, that's what, that's what I like to hear. Um, but to bring us slightly back down to earth, I wanted to talk about last year because last year obviously was devastating on a number of levels, but particularly, and we've covered it quite a lot in in, in the mag and, and across online and everything, is, you know, in terms of events, the pandemic has been brutal, absolutely brutal. Can you talk me through like what happened, like how you've had to react and, and what you've had to do as a result? Yeah, so I think, um, you know, early in the pandemic, we were like, oh, it'll be fine. It'll be fine by the end of the year. You know, we don't need to worry too much about the autumn events. Obviously, we have a big cluster of events that take place in May. And then we have another cluster that takes part, takes part in, takes place in the autumn. Mm-hmm. And so we were sitting there in March thinking, well, this is, this is a bit of a nightmare. I mean, I remember Boris saying about that first lockdown, it'll be at least three weeks. And I remember looking, thinking back now, you think, gosh, three weeks wouldn't it have been lovely if it had been three weeks but anyway <laughs> so back in March we were kind of thinking well hopefully we'll be back to normal by the autumn so our initial um kind of panic stations and like what do we do was around the May events um which obviously we very quickly realized we had to cancel um which was heartbreaking it's always heartbreaking when we have to cancel event I mean we've, we've uh, in fact I'm not sure if before um Oh, we had to cancel the junior and mini Great South run because of the wind one year. But but aside from that, I can't think off the top of my head if we've actually cancelled any of our running events. We've cancelled some of our swimming events um, because of the, the pesky blue-green algae in the lakes, but not so much the running. So, yeah, so we cancelled those May events. Um, and, and then we shifted our focus to once we realised that actually this, you know, we went into lockdown and there was a lot of conversation about people's mental health and being on their own and all of this and you know we realized very quickly that actually people needed something to to, to cling on to um and we we've you know a lot of our runners were, were kind of saying the same thing and obviously that's when this boom of virtual running took took place and we could see that happening and realized that we very quickly had something to offer for that as well so um so we didn't really so yeah so we 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 kind of shifted very much to right. Let's let's provide something for our for our runners to keep them motivated through this lockdown period. And then, obviously, as that went on, we we realised again that the September and the autumn events were were looking unlikely as well. So we cancelled those in in the summer, um, which meant that basically every event in twenty twenty was cancelled. Which, like I said, was 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 heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we couldn't, that's what we do. That's our bread and butter. We put on events. So to have a whole year, to have a whole year that we that we couldn't. And also it was supposed to be our 40th Great North Run. So we had big plans for celebrations and things like that. And all of that was kind of, you know, put put to the wayside. 
we threw all of our efforts into virtual running and we had some incredible challenges on that. Well, we had some incredible numbers on the challenges on that. Um, you know, we 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 created the virtual Great North Run, which was a um, which took place on the day of what would have been the Great North Run. Um, we made we worked with some really um, some really high profile northeast celebrities and some real kind of running superstars, and we created a soundtrack that runners could listen to while they went out and did their half marathon, which hopefully gave them some sense of doing the Great North Run. Um, and that that was really nice. We did we did a kind of a the Great North Run solo, which was the warm up essentially to the Great North Run. So they had to complete forty runs over the set period, running up to what would have been the Great North Run. And then we also created these um, monthly challenges and distance challenges. So we had loads and loads of virtual challenges going on, which which was um, which was incredible. And we had about well just shy of a hundred thousand people took part in one of our virtual challenges last year which is which is phenomenal absolutely mm-hmm. phenomenal and also the early virtual challenges that we did we raised we we didn't make any uh, take any profit from that and all of that was donated to the nhs so we ended up giving a a really chunky donation of uh, just over 200 grand to the nhs i think it's 230 in the end which we were we were pleased to be able to give something back to those guys you know they they were hit they were hit as hard as anyone. We rely really heavily on our medical staff and our medical volunteers. So, so we feel a kind of a real kinship to them. So we were pleased that we were able to, to do something that would give our runners that sense of um, motivation and, and reward whilst they were experiencing lockdown. But also as a result of that, we had a monetary um, donation to give back to the NHS as well, which, which was great. And also, you know, Selfishly, we managed to keep our brand kind of alive and relevant through a period when realistically what we do for a living was 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 cut off and we weren't able to do. So so it was, you know, whilst 2020 was really, really hard and really sad and, you know, lots of people were affected in, in tremendous ways, you know, and, and, and I'm, I'm very lucky not to have um, been closely affected by COVID in the way that a lot of people have. Um, you know, it, it, it was a, it was a tough year, but we came out of it. We managed to we managed to shift our focus. We managed to be a little bit creative. We managed to still give something back to our runners. That's that's the key thing. You know, yes, you go and do an event and you get a medal at the end and and well done and a t shirt and you go home and a big pat on the back. But what we recognise is that we we're giving runners more than just that event day experience when they enter one of our events. You know, it's the training period, it's the sense of excitement. And then when you've done it and you go home, it's the sense of accomplishment. It's it's huge. And so we were still able to provide them with that whilst actually being able to provide with them with them with a kind of an on the ground running experience. So um so yeah, I mean 2020 definitely wasn't one of our best years, but <laughs> I have to be honest, we came out of it feeling feeling kind of a little bit more accomplished than 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 I thought we might have done looking back at March time. Yeah, you know, when it was all looking a bit desperate. And so now we're heading back into events again. Um I was just wondering what the differences are now, you know, what's different about putting on an event in 2021 than it was in 2019? What kind of measures have you had to build into place? And, and, and kind of more than that, is there kind of sort of additional kind of agility that you have to build into creating Mm -hmm. events in terms of being flexible? That's what I assume you have to be. (laughs) Agility is a really nice way of putting it. I mean, yeah, you know, obviously all the government guidelines are there. Um, there isn't, there isn't, if I'm being honest, there isn't hugely clear, you know, we we can't sit here now and say, 
definitively in September, this will be the rules. And that's the challenge that we're facing now because we don't actually have any events now until September. What we're doing is we're sitting tight and waiting for the, the next announcement to come. But as it stands at the minute, we, we can we can put on an event um, for a, a certain number of people and, and that that's fine. But it's about looking at the social distancing, looking at the, you know, how do you group people together? Because actually, interestingly, it's not so much the running that is the issue, it's the start and the finish. So when you're talking about big groups of people like we are, it's kind of those assembly things. So what we're looking at is very much changing how we how we how we would approach a start, how we approach a finish. You know, normally you come together on mass and you stand there and you warm up and you wait for the gun to go. You run and then you cross the finish line and then you go into the finishers village and you go and have a look at all the different charities and all of the different activations and things. So you're grouping together again there. So what we're having to look at is the footprint of, of the footprint of the whole day from from the, the runners arriving on site to leaving site and how are we going to do that in a COVID secure way? And, you know, when you're talking about the numbers that we're talking, so, you know, the Great North Run, we're, we're looking at just shy of 60,000 people. Oh um, it's, it's, it's challenging. It's hard, but we're, but we're confident that we can, we're confident that we can do it. So, so yeah. Do you think those measures are going to be in place forever? Do you think, do you think COVID has changed racing as we know it? I hope not. <laughs> Um, I mean, yeah, we're going to have to live with COVID, aren't we? We're going to have to learn to live with COVID. It's not going to disappear. Um, but I think obviously, um, you know, without without getting too medical on it, because I'm certainly not the expert for, for that side of things. Um, once once the vaccination program is fully rolled out, then you would hope that that isn't the case. But I mean, I, I can't I can't really comment on that, to be honest, Esther, mm-hmm. because we'll just have to wait and see. Mm-hmm. I think um, one thing personally that I'm that I find is is this whole idea of how quickly we've all adjusted to not being in close contact with other human beings you know you're walking down the street and you you actively avoid people that that you know a year ago that would have felt kind of um not very intuitive whereas now you just do it without thinking so so I really hope we do go back to normal in inverted commas whatever that is but yeah yeah, I think I think to be to be totally frank we're just going to have to wait and see Sure. Yeah. I, the thing with racing, like what I found over the last year, because I'd not really thought about, I'd not really thought about the wider benefits of events like yours. Mm-hmm. And I think it's something, well, I was wondering, it'd be interesting to get your take on it. I wonder if you think that there needs to be more education on this, because having now spoken to a number of event directors over the past year or so, particularly because of the pandemic, like it feels like there's this disconnect. I, it feels like not everybody understands the kind of the, the crucial wider benefits of putting on an event like the great north that like it's not just about individuals kind of physical and mental health in terms of the training and that they're running themselves but it's also you know that there's the the local economy mm-hmm. and the kind of massive boost to local economy that ma- the mass events bring in obviously with people traveling to the area and spending cash and and then obviously charity there's the charity benefit because all these people run for charities and all these kind of huge and very small charities that have taken a, a massive impact um from from events not not carrying on i mean i i mean i've heard of charities that are folding and things because of, of events not happening do you think mm-hmm. there's education that needs to happen there yeah, I think I think that's absolutely right. I think you know we're really lucky in that we work with some incredibly supportive local authorities um, and and councils, and 
they the reason why they work with us to put on these events is because they understand that so now that these events are you know last year when we had to pull them it was it was as heartbreaking for them as it was for us because you know in terms of you know, when I was talking about the Great North Run and that kind of real regional spirit, you know, we see that in all of our cities, you know, the Great Manchester Run is another brilliant one, Great South Run, big, big events, but where you can really see that absolute pride from the people that live in those cities celebrating, you know, it's their day because they come in, you know, the events come in and they cause disruption and I'm sure they annoy as many people as they delight, um, but they come in and they cause huge disruption and, um, and therefore they are very, very visible. People get behind that and people people kind of love that. You know, in Manchester, there's a lot of activity happens in the city centre purely off the back of the Great Manchester Run because there's so many people around. You know, the local businesses realise that there's that there's an advantage to this. You know, whilst it might be slightly disrupting to have your road closed, they realise that there's loads of people there who are potentially going to come and spend some money with you. So absolutely, the economic impact of these events is is huge. And I think you're right, it's not always understood. Um, the cost of putting them on is, is huge, um, but the rewards that are reaped by the local economy are, are massive. You know, people coming in from the area, sorry, from outside the area, particularly with the Great North Run, mm. um, in terms of hotels and, and accommodation but then the amount of money that's spent in the city by by the runners who are visiting, but also the spectators. You know, most of our, you know, we 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 base it on um, for every runner there's one point seven five spectators as well. So you know, you you get some you get some incredibly hefty numbers that we're talking about here. So yeah, I think that's absolutely right. And the charities, I mean, the charities last year had had an incredibly tough year. You know, and 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 you're right. I think. I've certainly seen a few that that seem to have kind of, like you said, folded, disappeared, can't can't carry on. And if you think about the, whilst that's you know that in itself is heartbreaking, but if you think about the people who benefit, every charity is set up to benefit others. So if you think of all the knock-ons of all the people that would be benefiting from those charities, then therefore not getting that support or that benefit, whatever that might be, is it, it is it, it's terrible. You know, we are we have a huge. Um, we have a huge charity input in our business. We work really closely with our charities and they are, you know, they're powerful to us. We, we, they, we value them hugely because they bring so much color and content to the day as well as, um, as well as just the the sheer numbers that they bring. And, you know, talking before about, you know, from a PR perspective, talking about the, the, the different people who are doing the events for all the different reasons, different causes, you know, when you reach out and talk to people, the amount of people that are doing it for a charity that means something to them in a personal way because they've been affected by something is absolutely huge. Yeah. So yes, charity charity fundraising has been a huge, huge part of, of the growth and running, hundred percent when it comes to events. So they're they're a mass they're a massive part of what we do, and and the amount of money that is raised is absolutely phenomenal. Mm-hmm. And I can't remember off the top of my head what it is. Great lot. <laughs> <laughs> Don't put that in the pin you edit that one out. <laughs> Keeping it in. Um <laughs> But like you know, along with along with, you know, your average runner, along with um runners that might have, you know, their partners or their parents coming to cheer them on, you're you're obviously you're going to be getting a load of people turning up to watch it as an elite sporting event because of the runners that you get there. And that must be amazing to be a part of, to have, 
you know, Mo Farah running past your front door to to be able to watch that, to be able to be part of it, like as you to be part, that must be absolutely amazing. I was wondering if you had like any, if there were any special years that you can remember, any special kind of um, entrance or, or elite runners that you remember, or even just normal runners. Basically. Gosh, um, I mean, every year there's probably one that that, that steals the show to a degree. Um, well, I mean, Mo Farah is is won his last um, six Great North Runs. Um, so, and again, the 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 turnout on that finish straight as the as the elites are coming down the coast road in South Shields, yeah, it's kind of nine ten deep, all clamoring over to watch. But what's really what's really kind of nice about that is it's the same enthusiasm for Mo Farah crossing the crossing the finish line. Than it is for, for for Joe Public, who's kind of five hours behind him. They're still there, still cheering them on. It, it's it's brilliant. We've had some we've had some fabulous elites. I mean, over the years, some of our real kind of homegrown talent. Um, I mean, Chris Thompson is another one. Chris Thompson has done so many of our events over the years, and I think he had a bit of a winning streak down at the South Run, which is our kind of ten miler down at Portsmouth, which again mm-hmm. is a is a is a is a brilliant event um that's that the local the locals get behind hugely so um yeah gosh I, can't, I don't think I can pick one if I'm totally you know when, when I was doing a bit of research I saw a picture of Kevin Keegan running it oh yeah <laughs> well that was that was the first ever one that was that was incredible he ran in a shirt that was half black and white stripe and half red and white stripe to <sighs> to reference the Sunderland Newcastle thing because he didn't want to be you know yeah. and at the time he was England captain I mean you wouldn't get you wouldn't get the guys you know and rightly so because they're in the middle of training you don't yeah. want to get good but you know it's phenomenal and actually the 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 age-old story about Kevin Keegan in that first year is that he got to about 10 miles I think and he he was running in his just just a pair of trainers like his football training shoes mm. um and he had massive blisters and so he kind of got randomly got a pair of trainers from out from someone in the crowd some kid he was like has anyone got any size whatever and this kid gave him his shoes and he traded his ones in that he just run the last 10 miles in and finished the race off in in this lad's shoes which i think actually we reached out to find him and we found him a few years ago and he's still he's still got the shoes now to this day i think they were his kind of treasured possession kevin keegan's oh. like i said at the time he was the captain they're probably worth a fortune yeah but yeah <laughs> so we ran the last three miles in this lad's shoes oh amazing have you run it <laughs> yes i've yeah i've run it a few times i haven't run it recently to be honest um unfortunately i'm kind of busy working now although i always think every year i think i could probably i could probably kind of shirk away from my duties and, and have a go have you run it i haven't no well uh, esther you need me. to come up and run it <laughs> i well, would I'll cordially invite you this year thank you <laughs> i'd love to my stepsister has just moved to newcastle so oh well, there you go so you've got a bed for the night as well a bed for the night yeah <laughs> well actually we what we've got as well because like i said it's the 40th birthday in a couple of weeks we're actually um, we're promoting it at the minute. It's the the GNR eighty one. So what we're trying to get people to do is over that weekend of the birthday. The birthday falls on the Monday. Mm. So what we're saying is over that weekend we're encouraging people to to go out and actually run the thirteen point one miles, whether they do it in one go or two goes or three goes or whatever. Finish it off. Um, it's free to enter, 
and and then that you can you can purchase the the original well the medal you can actually buy the medal and the t-shirt but we've modeled it all on the original kind of 1981 style and we're going to have 1981 playlists for you on spotify and and all of this and we're, we're actually we're going through the archives at the minute to get some to get some great content from that very first event and one of the best things that we found is the um the runner's guide to uh, the Great North Run, which, like I said, was sent out in 1981, and it's it's absolutely brilliant. It's it's got things in it like um, don't you know don't go to a party the night before and <laughs> don't you know again, which still holds true. Now, advice, don't yep. don't try and do all your training in, in two weeks before the event and things like <laughs> this. But it's it's really interesting because it's got this kind of really really interesting kind of sage advice. Um, but, you know, in in the landscape of no one knew what to expect. So we were looking at it and someone was like, gosh, it's really patronising. And I was like, well, no, it's not because no one knew what to expect from an event. So telling people to turn up ready in their gear, i.e. there's not going to be changing rooms for you. Yeah. Like today you think, well, obviously, but in those days they, they didn't know, you know, they didn't have loads of events that everyone was taking part in. So, um, so yeah, so we're calling out for people to, to take part in that. Like I said, it's free to enter and you can find out on our website, greatrun.org about a little bit more but basically you go and it's it's a virtual running challenge you go and you log your 13.1 miles to say that you've done your great north run that weekend and um, you get a certificate for for it um but it, but like i said you can actually buy the original t-shirt and medal and things like that so there's a nice little retro feel to that 40th oh, birthday that. celebration well, i kind of hate the fact that it's retro because it's my era <laughs> so i mean you know when people start saying vintage you just think no hang on <laughs> <laughs> just because it features i don't know alison moyer or something i mean no. <laughs> well vince who's our designer was working on all the stuff and um and he was he was loving it he said oh, i love all this retro stuff and i said the same thing but he wasn't born in 1981 <laughs> oh, that, yeah, that's <laughs> he was like well it's retro to me because it's before <laughs> i was born I, okay fair enough <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I remember um around that time because my dad uh, and my mum were they were both training for the london marathon and my dad was training for the first one, so all around the same time. But the sort of exercises and information that they were working with were, I mean, it was like sort of, honestly, it, the one that I remember looked like a wartime pamphlet. It was, <laughs> I think it was like military fitness or something like that. And I remember yeah. mum drunkenly showing me some of the moves that she had. And they do look very peculiar it's ministry of silly walks it's really really strange <laughs> yeah. but that's it isn't it it's all things that we take for granted now but but yeah. back in you know in the early days of running people didn't people didn't know how to stretch no no and and everyone was sort of dying of heat exhaustion and stuff like that just because you know you didn't have hydration vests and yeah yeah exactly exactly yeah. yeah so um well what's next for great run what's what's kind of what are you going to build towards next or are you sort of just checking to see what happens yeah no I think well we're building towards getting a getting a um a safe and enjoyable and COVID secure um 2021 series kind of underway into in the autumn Mm -hmm. um like I said, there's a lot of work happening at the minute, looking at all different scenarios. But we're, you know, we're, we're confident that we're confident that that's gonna that's gonna happen. And we want to, you know, we want to come back with a bit of a bang. We want to see all of our customers again. And you know, I think virtual running is great, but there's something about you know seeing a start line and seeing a finish line and seeing all of our runners actually enjoying it. So we're all really excited to get 
to get back to kind of, you know, doing what we do with those. So we're going to have a very busy few weeks in the autumn and hopefully um, hopefully events will conspire to allow us to do that um, in the way that we always have. Um, like I said, it's the 40th Great North Run. We've got some exciting plans for that and how we're going to celebrate that. And then um, we'll have a bit of time off over, over Christmas and New Year, I think. And then back into 2022 and, um, you know, driving on and get, getting back to normal and building building our numbers, building our engagement with our customers. That's always a key thing for me. I think one of the things that, that we've been talking about a little bit at the minute is, you know, is there a place for virtual running to sit alongside actual running events? And I think mm-hmm. there probably is. So we're, we're looking at plans as to how do we how do we combine the two and, you know, yes, it was certainly a 2020 fad, but I think it's got longevity to it. So how do we build that in with our typical kind of event diary? You know, when you get your plan plan for the year, which events are you going to do? And then can we pepper it with some virtual runs here and there as well? Because I think mm-hmm. they've got a lot to bring to it. So, yeah, I mean, it's just kind of onwards and upwards for us. We're always trying to be the best that we can be. And from my perspective and the marketing side of things is, understanding our customer as well as we possibly can and delivering everything that they that they want and need as as best we can both on event day and during the rest of the year you know it's an interesting one because we have a year-round engagement with a customer who potentially we actually only see physically once a year so you know it's 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 an interesting one we're, we're wanting to to understand how we can do that better and how we can give them more value at the times of year when it maybe isn't event season so um, so yeah we're, we're constantly looking at that I I agree the um the virtual stuff is I think it's such an interesting concept I think it's uh, I I would never have I would never have thought of it as being a, a, a kind of the the brilliant thing that it's turned out to be and and I love personally selfishly speaking which is what I'd normally do in any case um <laughs> I love the idea that when I'm training for a big, like for a marathon, um, like what you, you know, a normal thing to do would be to pepper your training with some races in the lead up, you know, of the kind of the correct distances, you know, put in a couple of 10 Ks, maybe a couple of half marathons on the way, on the way up. And it is so useful to have virtual races because it means you don't have to think, oh, I can do that half, but it's slightly on the wrong time of my, my training plan or it's, it's you know it's too far away or it's not on my doorstep or and and to be able to do that and get yourself a medal if you want to yeah um, yeah I think that's absolutely right and I think that's where they're going to come into their come into their own a little bit I mean I found it fascinating to think that as many people you know before before we had COVID and 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 the move to virtual which was kind of forced upon us Mm. I was never really a big believer in virtual racing because for me you can go out and do whatever runs you want to do, but the event itself is about doing it with other people and being there in person and crossing that finish line together. But actually, you know, when the hand was forced and we went down the virtual route, I kind of realized actually there's a lot that virtual running can bring to the equation. Like you say, it's it's complementary to a training schedule for, for a regular event, massively, mm-hmm. massively complementary to that. And like you said, if you can get a medal at the same time, then, then that's great. You know, it's yeah. about convenience. And I think going back to my point before about technology, if you think about life in general and changes that have been brought about life in general, it's all about making things easier and more convenient for the person. So actually, if you translate that to running, now we don't ever want to um, 
drive people away from coming to the event because that's the big event day and that's when you get that real buzz. But there's certainly times in there's times in the year before that that we can drive people to a to a virtual challenge where they're going to get a similar motivation mm-hmm. um, and have some kind of sense of accomplishment. But like that's what I mean, tying it in with the big events so that it becomes complementary rather than a that or that. I think that's the key thing for us. Yeah. And I think there's a massive place for that, hugely. Yeah, yeah, I love it. And and I love the fact that like with the bigger events as well, when, you know, like with London Marathon, when it went virtual, because it's such a popular event, it meant that no matter where you were running, pretty much in the UK on that day, you would probably pass someone also wearing a number. So you would get the recognition, um, you know, and, and kind of, the, the, you know, I, I mean, I've got cars honking me in a really good way. Um, which was like a bonus um not in the regular awful way not in the regular awful (laughs) crappy way yeah actually actually being encouraging um yeah yeah, go drivers um (laughs) does it has this encouraged you to run more personally i think so yeah I, i i found that i personally was running more in in lockdown and and since kind of strict lockdown but I think a lot of that is because, um, you know, we're working from home still at the minute and it's just easier to fit into your day when you haven't got to worry about commuting and yeah. washing your hair and things like yeah. that. <laughs> it does make life a bit easier. But I think so, yeah, and I, I, I'm a big one for running used to be about times and it still is a little bit for me about times, but it's much more for me about getting out there and just switching off and that kind of, you know, we've talked before about that mental health side of things. And, and I think when everything else in the world was going on and, you know, it was, it was, it was scary, wasn't it? That first kind of couple of months was terrifying. And I think I found quite a lot of solace in going out for a run and just switching off, listening to a podcast or some music or what have you. Um, So I think that's right. And we've certainly seen that echoed. We've done a lot of customer, um, surveys and things like that and we had we had one that was incredibly telling about how people had had used running over the you know through the pandemic um both in terms of asking them about how their feelings of of, of stress and anxiety had had increased so 68% of the people that came back on the survey had said that they'd had increase in feelings of stress and anxiety through it you know we've been talking for a long time about mental health and and the link between improved mental health and running but i think it's kind of that's almost been demonstrated again in 2020 and I think even when life goes back to normal and we come out of the pandemic mm-hmm. I think it's really important to, to, to carry on that message of the, the importance that um, running has on maintaining both both physical and mental health um, and I think that's from like I said from a personal point of view mm-hmm. I, I know when I haven't been running like I know for a number of reasons uh, both physically and mentally. And so it's just um, even those days when you kind of can't really be bothered and you're not really in the mood for it, Just you just have to go out because you know you're going to feel a thousand times better when you get back. So it's just using it as that kind of day-to-day management piece, really. God, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a horrible person if I've not when I'm supposed to have. It's it, And it's it's just a million miles away from like being in your teens or your twenties and the way in which you might see running then perhaps. <laughs> and now at the age of 47, me at the age of 47, yeah, it's, it does feel like it's, it's maintenance 
but of a, dif- a different kind of, yeah. of maintenance. It's um, yeah, absolutely. so crucial. And I think also it was it was very much that you know the demographic of of running is coming down, and I think that's a really interesting that's a really interesting stat as well. In that, um, you know, it used to be you'd go off to university or you'd go off and start your job or whatever, and you still play football with your mates or whatever, and then and then you'd kind of lose some of that of your lifestyle, and then you take up running as you got a little bit older. But uh, you know, there's more and more younger people running, which I think is great as well, mm-hmm. not just for the sport, but also but also for them. It's that again, it's that they're recognizing that the, the power of running as well. So that's yeah. really exciting as it's well. It's lovely, isn't it? Because I think that I speak to young runners, and they have the knowledge that I really didn't have at that stage. And it does feel as though that that's spreading out. So the kind of, the, you know, the kind of the kind of clap hand to forehead moment kind of 10 years ago for me which was like oh actually I kind of I like it and I'm not aiming for a personal best here I just like doing it for itself yeah that's something that sort of these millennials know already which is really irritating but good for them yeah (laughs) no absolutely I know I wish I'd I wish I'd had been as sensible as they are now when I was 22 don't drink they run for their mental health. I know, it's great. It's great. <laughs> yes, I know I'm embarrassed that I've not run it. And yes, I'm going to for sure. We need to look after our running events. If we don't use them, they will disappear. After a terrible year in all sorts of ways, one of the best things we can do to make sure running events are here to stay for the benefit of our physical and mental health is to sign up now. This podcast was recorded over Zoom. The editor and composer was David Newman. Please hit like and subscribe. That way you won't miss the next episode. Podcast listeners can claim the best discount we have for membership to Women's Running, which is 35% off. That's less than two ninety-five a month. And for that, you get our brilliant magazine and you also get loads of money off the sorts of stuff you love, like lovely kit, nutrition and class memberships. Go to shop.womensrunning.co.uk and enter WRPOD at the checkout for your discount. Happy running. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM 
for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.